Sports Movie Podcast that pops up online every other Thursday. We look back at aged sports films and we spoil them. I'm the scowly young fighter with sloppy footwork but a wicked right hook, Ryan Ellis. And here's the winner who never quits because he knows quitters never win, Lord Chris Gregorio. Thank you, Ryan. And can I just say your cornrows look spectacular today, so well done on that. Funny to think I could have cornrows with this hair. I did have a quarantine haircut not long ago from Bev as well, so I actually was getting closer to the possibility of cornrows, but now, not so much. I think one of my favorite moments in this entire movie was Adrian mistaking that one dude walking by with the late 90s, early aughts, tiny ponytail thing sticking out of his head for Diana. It was cute. Yeah. It was one of the few moments in this movie that actually made me smile. Oh, okay, he's giving it away. It's not a terribly uplifting movie. Like, regardless of whether or not you like it, it's a bit of a downer, right? This is true. This is true. Your first time seeing Girl Fight. Well, let's first of all get that beer open. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to jump the gun. I'm mighty thirsty. I managed to social distance my way into a Society of Beer Drinking Ladies beer for this particular episode. So there you go. And? Well, I don't know yet. We'll find out. No, but what's the choice? Oh, it's a hazy session IPA. A grapefruit heavy IPA. It's literally just called the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. They don't name their beers. They just sort of put them out and away you go. The beer fans are thinking I'm a moron, and I'm thinking, I didn't know that. It's a very niche product around the greater Toronto area, so I don't think <laughs> anyone's judging you for it. Some fans are judging me. What I'm seeing in the background of this man's shot, by the way, is no guts, no glory, as he has a boxing ring background, this fake green screen that people can do now with Zoom. I love visual gags in an audio medium, Ryan. <laughs> I can appreciate it. No one else can. Excellent. It's a very narrowly focused gag. Audience of one. Okay, well... La Pugiliste, as it was known in Quebec, so a girl fight, was made independently and then released wide by Screen Gems and Fox just about 20 years ago in early October 2000. Well, we've already covered two now, sports movies from 2000, because we did mm-hmm. Remember the Titans two weeks ago, and I think we'll do the replacements before the year's over. You wanted to do that, and I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, just a little bit of a palate-cleansing, silly comedy. So a pretty big year for sports movies, basically, is what I'm saying. And I'm certain that you told me that this was a 20-year-old movie, but I totally forgot when I put it on and saw Michelle Rodriguez for the first time, I was just thinking, damn, she looks young. What was this? And realized it was her first role. Yeah, her debut, and she was only 22, playing, I think, 18? Yeah. She's still in high school, so she got to be about that age. So this movie was not a big hit, just pretty much earning back its budget, but considering it was made independently and it cost about a million dollars to make about a million five or so, it's not terrible. It was 183rd that year at the box office. We've covered Bring It On. That was 32nd. Remember the Titans two weeks ago was 14th. Mm -hmm. And The Grinch was number one that year. 87% of critics, they really liked this movie a lot. 7.3 to 10 is an average. 75% of audiences. Really? Your first time seeing it, my second. It's been about 18 years since I saw it, so I remember next to nothing about it. But your thoughts on Girl Fight. Well, my first thought is I'm a little surprised by the RT numbers you just cited, because I didn't think it was a bad movie, but I wouldn't have probably rated it that highly. I sulked 
endlessly when you propose doing a Michelle Rodriguez-led movie. <laughs> I will admit, a lot of my distaste for her as an actress, I think, is born out of the fact that I came to know her from Lost. I'm sure I must have seen her in Fast and Furious before Lost, but I've forgotten her as Vin Diesel's girlfriend in that movie. So her role in Lost, I hated so much. And it's partly because of the way she portrayed the character, but it was also partly I thought the character was written really poorly and was just mostly annoying. You know why they killed Libby in the scene where Michael shoots Anna Lucia? Because that's Michelle Rodriguez's character, Anna Lucia. You know why they killed Libby as well? No. Hurley's girlfriend? Because they realized that people didn't really like Michelle Rodriguez's character enough <laughs> to make Michael seem like he was really making a sacrifice and really doing a bad thing for his son, for Walt! You better kill somebody else the audience actually likes. So that's why Libby died, too. So Libby was the sacrificial lamb for Anna Lucia, is what you're saying? Exactly. That's right. Oh, yeah. man. I didn't hate her the way other people did in that show, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah. I've never been her biggest fan either. The first shot of her in this movie, she's both snarling like she's so well-known for, that scowly look on her face, and she also does the Kubrick stare, looking up from a lower brow several times in the film. Very effectively. It's a good look for her, actually. Yeah. But there you go. She started doing it in the very first shot in the movie she was ever in, and she never stopped. Never stopped. <laughs> in fairness, the one thing you did say to me about this movie, if there was a role that was suited to her as an actress in the way that she does tend to portray her characters, it is this movie. And I think that's fair. If there's a role that her scowly, dour portrayals would suit it is diana in girlfriend right because she's supposed to be this kind of pissed off dour teenage character who's got a lot of anger issues and is fighting non-stop so sure it kind of fits the character i enjoyed her portrayal in this movie more than i expected to otherwise i do have issues with the movie as a whole but i'm sure we'll delve into those as we go along i want to address that right now actually because i was impressed we talked about when we did Remember the Titans that my old numbers, I'd been starting to rank movies by score in 2000. Remember the Titans, I gave an 8 out of 10 without remembering why, because I hadn't seen it in so long. This was the same, no, this was a 7? Anyway, 7 or 8, something like that, for this as well, same year. And I'll say right now, I'd probably give it about the same, 7, maybe even 7.5, because I was impressed with this low-budget film, a new director, Karin Kusama, that is how you pronounce her name, I looked it up. Karin. Karin Kusama, yeah. And I think all things considered, with a new actress and only one really established actor, her father, Paul Calderon, who was in Pulp Fiction. He's the guy who's the bartender. My name's Paul, and this is between y'all. Oh. He also becomes Vincent's partner after Jules quits to walk to Earth. And he's been in a lot of movies in New York. He worked with Abel Ferreira a lot, the New York director who did Bad Lieutenant, that guy. Mm. So he was the most established actor in this whole bunch from any kind of name value, but obviously Rodriguez wasn't yet. But I felt like the flavor was good, and you've got a Brooklyn-born director. The movie's set in Brooklyn. It was shot in Yonkers in New Jersey. Like we said, on almost no money. Kusama actually was John Sayles' assistant before this on maybe Lone Star, but one of his movies. And then he is an executive producer on this. I think he really helped to get made, not just a name only, like, oh, we got John Sayles' name, and then he stays away. I think he really, truly helped shepherd this movie to get it made, and then through the release procedure with Fox and Screen Gems. But he's also the science teacher in the movie. He has that one scene where he's the science teacher. I thought I recognized him. I thought, is that John Sayles? Because he's in 8 Men Out, right? He directed and wrote that. We talked yeah. about that last year. And he's in this movie, too, as a science teacher. So I thought the flavor was good. I thought the actors did a pretty good job, considering they're not big names, almost anybody. Pretty vivid kind of stuff. 
and I didn't remember exactly what was going to happen. I didn't think it was exactly telegraphed how it was going to go. I forgot she fights guys mostly in this movie. She has a fight with one girl, but otherwise she fights guys. So it's not misnamed. She is a girl who's fighting, but it makes it sound like it's going to be woman on woman, like a million dollar baby, of course. And at the end, when she fights her boyfriend, if you think about it, that's the only way this movie can go. When she meets him as a boxer early on, they like each other, and then their relationship grows. Where else can this realistically go other than she fights him? Yeah. I'll tell you what I liked about this movie first before I do my pedantic tearing down of it. The sales thing is interesting, and I understand that the financing for this project fell through or something, and I think sales actually paid for the production himself. Like you said, it was like a $1.2 or $1.5 million budget. It wasn't enormous by any standards for a guy, I guess, who's established enough in Hollywood to pony up that kind of money. So, yeah, no surprise that he would put himself into a little bit of a role in it, I guess. I agree with you. I like the backdrop, the portrayal of New York and the projects. Red Hook in and of itself is almost a character in the movie. Adrian and Diana have that conversation about it would be nice to be someplace where you're not at risk of being raped in the stairwell or shot for your shoes. And she's going home at night and he offers to drive her home because it's not safe to take the bus. You get a very vivid image of what it must be like to live in the projects. Even in the quiet domestic scenes in Diana's home with her brother and her father having dinner... All you can hear is thumping hip-hop or something coming through the thin walls of the project. So you get that sense of close, suffocating numbers of people being crammed into these community housing units, right? So Even when you're home, you have to deal with everyone else's shit at the same time. You can't truly be home. I agree with you. I really liked that portrayal of the city as part of the movie. I liked the performances by and large. Her father, I didn't really feel strongly one way or the other about him. <laughs> I have a nutshell, by the way, and I changed it. So I'll give you the actual nutshell, not even the one it was going to be. Okay, keep in mind the father thing for the second part. So the actual nutshell is, girl beats up her boyfriend. Yep. Because in the end, that's what she does. That's fair. But the nutshell was going to be, father spends his whole life in the kitchen. (laughs) Does Paul Calderon ever leave that kitchen? (laughs) Does Sandro ever go anywhere else? Maybe the living room to look outside and see his daughter with her now burgeoning boyfriend. He even gets beat up in that kitchen by her. He must have left that very small apartment long enough for her to steal money from his sock at some point. But what he was doing out there, who knows? Maybe to go buy more beer, because that's the other thing he's always doing. He's just always got a beer in his hand. I say as I drink a beer while we're talking about this. I felt similarly about Adrian, the romantic lead slash co-lead of the movie, I guess. He was fine, didn't really inspire anything to me. I did find it interesting, just because you know of my Rocky love Adrian's the romantic lead in that and also the romantic lead in this, but they're different genders. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional. Who knows? Feels like it might have been. Well, this is definitely a Rocky story in some ways because it is more of a romance and a training film than a boxing film. There isn't that much boxing in this. There isn't that much boxing in Rocky, even though this is truly a sports movie, as Rocky is, but there's very little boxing considering. Unlike Rocky, in the end, when she fights her boyfriend, she wins by decision because, of course, Rocky loses by decision. Ain't going to be no rematch. The one one. Although there is many rematches. <laughs> Adrian also says to her at one point when they're in a clinch, he says, you satisfied? Or he says to her at some point in that fight, you satisfied. And later on, the very last scene they have when they're reconciling, very Saturday Night Fever-esque kind of ending, actually. And she, I think, asks him or he volunteers or whatever. Did you really give me everything? And he says, yes. I wonder, because I took a note before we got to that last scene, not remembering that last scene was coming. And I said, did he really give her everything? Because to ask her, are you satisfied, it almost seems like, well, I gave you close to everything. Gave you 75%. Do you think he gave her everything? I think he did, to be honest with you. But you mentioned Rocky, and that was a specific comparison I wanted to make. That 
particular reference too. Did you give me everything you had? That's Sylvester Stallone asking Apollo Creed that question, right? That's Rocky the asking beginning Apollo. Beginning of Rocky Two, yeah, one of the first scenes of Rocky Two. Did you give me your best? Yeah, I gave you my best, right? So, we've talked a number of times about movies endings realistic or otherwise we've watched a surprising number of movies and we haven't watched rocky together but of course we've referenced it numerous times and that is a famous example of a hero that both wins but loses ultimately and we've seen that in other movies friday night lights is a good example of a team that doesn't win if there's anything i've taken away from watching these movies over the course of doing this podcast it's that there are more examples of being able to portray a feel-good story or a moral message or something and you don't have to have a cliched or perhaps even unrealistic victory at the end to make that happen you can lose and win as far as the protagonist goes and conveying a message to the audience right and to me that was one of the biggest issues i had with this movie i don't want to say the stakes of the movie are low but they felt low to me and the reason for that is we're introduced to Diana early on, and she's angry. It's heavily implied that she's struggling in school, but still, by the end of it, we're finding out she's going to graduate. So she actually says, like, the only thing I can fuck up now is the world outside of these walls, right? Because they're graduating, and now she has to go and find a life for herself. So, okay, fine. She's gotten through school. She's got an abusive home relationship, but the way she resolves that is beating up her father, which struck me as not the healthiest resolution necessarily, but perhaps realistic. Not every family dispute or relationship can be resolved through touchy-feely therapy, at least not initially. Sometimes it comes to this kind of confrontation and it's not something to be proud of. Maybe it's realistic. There's no implication that boxing is going to resolve her issues at school necessarily, nor are they going to solve her home life because the way she solves that is by beating up her father and that's no long-term well, maybe solution. maybe it's resolved. He may be afraid of her now. And then she basically says that he killed, he didn't literally kill, but he drove her mother to suicide. And if that's the case, then it must have been an abusive relationship. By the end of it all, it's made pretty clear that they had an abusive relationship or he was abusing her and that drove her to suicide or something. That being the case, knowing that she's graduating from high school at 18, she would probably get out of there at some point. So the fact that she stands up and beats up her father doesn't really do anything for me because you had that momentary satisfaction, but it felt petty, I guess. You know why it's in there, I think? Kusama is a first-time director, and she's relatively young at this point. She's been in the film business for a while, but she's relatively young. Obviously, Rodriguez is young. It's a girl power kind of movie, clearly. It's also 20 years ago when we looked at things differently. It's probably a matter of, I'm going to own the guy who's been shitty to me. Paul Calderon is not portrayed as an awful father the way we've seen many other fathers be in this movie. You mentioned Friday Night Lights. Tim McGraw is so mean to his son. It's redeemed at the end when he gives him the ring and he hugs him. And obviously the movie's portraying that they're going to have a better relationship. But through the whole film until that point, he's a really textbook, shitty, awful father. Yeah. I don't think Calderon in this movie as Sandro is quite the same thing, but we don't maybe see the worst things in their lives. So I think what they're doing at the end by having her knock him down and then put a chokehold on him and he is helpless. We've seen this kind of thing before with men, usually man on man. Well, now it's a matter of a girl still. She's not even 20 years old doing it to her dad. So maybe it was a matter of the girls in the audience are going to go, yeah. Maybe you hit the nail on the head there. I'm not a woman. So you're right. Maybe it has a different implication for women, particularly in, in 2000. When, like you said, we had a different perspective on a lot of these things. But maybe if the father figure was portrayed as being more directly threatening or abusive to his children, he definitely dotes on the son. We see that. There's much more of that attitude. He's almost dismissive of Diana. He's just maybe not as directly abusive as he was towards his wife. 
but he just treats her as secondary to his son and just doesn't see the error of his ways in his past relationships. There was less of a direct threat to her. So when she does beat him up, there's no implication that he's ever beat up Diana. So she was never under direct threat. She went at him in a kind of extreme way that felt unnecessary in the moment. Unwarranted, maybe. Unwarranted. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's unwarranted because we don't see him do anything that's over the top. Kusama probably wanted to make a more subtle movie, and that's a good thing. And maybe the line of dialogue where she tells, I'm pretty sure Diana tells Adrian, no, she says to the father about how you drove mom to suicide, something like that. That was while she was on top of him. Okay, there you go. So maybe that's why that has to be in there, because otherwise she does come across like a bully to her own father. That kind of felt like a low-stakes relationship as well, ultimately, when you think about the bigger context of it. Even Diana's relationship with boxing as portrayed in things like Million Dollar Baby, or even Rocky, these are people that want to make boxing their life, and their success in the ring is going to drive their success in life. That is never really portrayed in the movie. It's implied that boxing gives Diana a little bit of structure and a little bit of an outlet to focus herself that she never had before, and that's going to help her. And she's good at it. And she's good at it, yes. But she never says, I want to be a pro. She never says, I want to make this my life. It's something that she's interested in for some reason, and she's very good at it, and she has a good time with it. But that's about the extent of her relationship with boxing. But that is not true of Adrian, who becomes her opponent and her love interest in the movie. This is his stated goal in life, and it's his way that he can foresee getting out of the projects and out of this menial job that is his only other option that he can foresee in his life. So I guess part of the reason I disliked the way the movie ended was because I felt like the line at the end of the movie that she says to Adrian, which I felt was also kind of misplaced, given the way the director ended the movie, you got in the ring with me and you gave me a good fight. You fought me, despite you being a man and I a woman, right? So the fact that he gave her the respect to treat her as an equal in the ring and look past gender stereotypes and just have that fight, that was the most important thing. The victory or the loss was not. I think that should be the message here, is that gender should be a secondary consideration to ability. If you're in the same weight class and a similar ability, then why not? I think that is a very valid message, particularly in 2000. But that's undercut by the fact that Adrian loses. And one of the things that he says to her in that final scene, something to the effect of, I thought boxing was going to be my way out, and it just turned out to be a stupid dream, because now all that's dashed, right? There's the implication that by losing this fight, he has now been shamed. I lost to a girl. Let's not forget all the trainer figures, all the promoter figures are all old men. Not all old white men, but they're all old men. Race is not necessarily an issue in the sport, but gender still is. Even before this fight happens, Adrian's trainer, who's an old black man, is basically saying, I don't want him to have this fight because he's got a promising future. He's a good-looking kid. He's hardworking. He's good at the sport. And I want to take him pro in a year, or I want to groom him for the pros in a year. And this fight risks all of that. I guess if he loses, then his reputation within the sport is going to be so tarnished that becoming a pro is going to be very unlikely. And it sounds that way based on his comments at the end of the movie. The message that Diana said to him was not consistent with the way the movie played out. And she also effectively crushed his dreams of getting out of the projects in the process. (laughs) Someone she loves. Yeah, the one she loves. Whereas if she loses by split decision, but still goes toe-to-toe with a man in her own weight class and just barely loses, and then you have that speech at the end of the movie where 
you gave me the respect of giving me your all and congratulations you won but i stood in there with you for all three rounds or however many rounds they had then i think you maintain the same message you maintain the same message around gender equality but you don't crush your male leads dreams in the process <laughs> the stakes for her in this fight were personal perhaps it meant a lot to her as a young woman to have this opportunity but they were world ending for him it's world ending for him so it felt disproportionate i guess so you want the Rocky ending because that's exactly what happens in that movie, which is, won't be a rematch, don't want one. I got what I needed is what that line is saying. Rocky's a good screenplay. Yes. If he had said more than don't want one, then it ruins that moment. Just like at the very end where Adrian comes in the ring, I love you, I love you, oh, where's your hat? But <laughs> <laughs> doesn't need to be anything else. He did yes. what he wanted to do. He said the night before, I just want to go the whole distance with Creed. No one's ever gone the whole way with Creed before. But he doesn't win. Yeah, well, we've talked about this before, about how some of the best sports movies don't have the people winning at the end. Or some of the yeah. best sports movies don't even have a big game, like Field of Dreams. There's no big game, Bull Durham. There's no big game. That's right. This does have a big boxing match. Okay, I liked it more than you did, obviously, but I can see what you're saying. I think it's fine that she won. I think if he wants to keep fighting, he needs to maybe fight through the prejudices that he will now face, because she faced them because she was a girl. Also, did you notice, by the way, the ring announcer says, in the lovely purple shorts. So even at the end, when she's in the ring with him, and she's already fought other men, and she beat that other guy by disqualification. Ray? Anyway, she beat somebody else by disqualification. Yeah, that was Ray. She's still being condescended to by the ring announcer with the lovely purple shorts. I guess what I'm saying then is that if he's willing to step in the ring with her, and he didn't want to, meaning Adrian and fight his girlfriend, and she wanted to fight whoever. It just happened to be that it was Adrian. She will do what she has to do to win, and if he doesn't want to do it back, or if it hurts his career, then that's life and that's sports. And maybe that's what her attitude is, and maybe that's what his attitude should be too. So now if he has to fight against the prejudice of, you lost to a girl who was better than him that night. It wasn't like it was some bullshit decision. It wasn't like it was the judges being equal opportunity kind of thing. It was a legit fight, and he lost. And if he wants to keep fighting, if he wants this dream badly enough, he'll keep doing it. I think he's well played, by the way. I think he's very well played. I was surprised that there wasn't actually a sex scene in this movie. I don't think it's implied that they ever have had sex in the movie. He's with his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. No, no, I think it is, because there's a comment, too, before he actually dumps the ex-girlfriend in, when I was still thinking that this guy's a little bit of a skis ball, Diana says something to him along the lines of, you notched one in the score post or something like that. So oh, I think okay. at that point it is implied they did sleep it together. It isn't portrayed then. It's not portrayed. I agree with you. I thought there was a nice little bit of subtlety to that relationship, too, as it's portrayed. But if you wanted to take the approach of Diana winning at the end, I don't want to sound like I'm anti her winning. I'm not. I'm just within the context of the screenplay as it's designed, it kind of bothered me. Take away the fact that Adrian wants this as his career and his exit from the projects. Don't even have that as a subplot. Just have him be another boxer in the ring. Have his relationship with Diana. And I think it works. It's just the fact that you're effectively crushing his dreams in the process hurts that ending for me. And while I appreciate what you're saying, and I agree, yeah, that's fine, it's a difficult thing to get past for me. I can only imagine what it must be like if you're a young man in the projects of New York and you're trying to use this sport as a vehicle to get out, to then put such an obstacle as the prejudices of a group of old men that run the sport in your way on top of having to be just good enough and catch the eye of the right promoters, all of this other stuff, right? It's another layer that I think could just be avoided if you take that aspect of his life out of the movie if you want her to win, or you otherwise set up a different ending slightly, and I think you can work any number of ways that way. If you're going to have him lose, I think there needs to be a little bit more of a rationale for it. He's a guy that's been in this boxing gym for an extended period of time. We know he's been there for years. And she's years. still new. And she's still new. And he's supposed to be the best they've got, right? 
And we saw this in Million Dollar Baby, too. Hilary Swank's character gets into a boxing gym with a bunch of established boxers, and she doesn't, after a few months, start taking them down. She has to take her licks and learn the sport, and eventually she becomes the pinnacle. But we don't see that transition with Michelle Rodriguez's character. We see her sort of get her ass handed to her initially, but then all of a sudden she's the best of the best. It felt a little bit undeserved, unless the implication, maybe as you said, is that he didn't give her his best, which then undercuts the message of the movie, which is he was supposed to have given her the respect of doing just that. Maybe that's the point. Maybe Kusama's going for the idea that these two are in love at the end. I like, by the way, earlier on when she says, I love you, then steps back and punches him in the face. That was a good moment. During one of the fights. But maybe Kusama is saying that he means it and she means it. Just like I said before, Saturday Night Fever, very similar ending in that movie mm -hmm. too. There's not love so much in that. It's more of a friendship understanding but a disappointed kind of ending where something bad had happened and they have this reconciliation under different circumstances. But maybe in this case, unlike Saturday Night Fever, he's being dishonest. But to save her feelings, maybe there's a subplot too that men and women, in this case boys and girls, do lie to their partner, sometimes for the greater good, because he wants her to be his lady, so he'd rather she feel good about this thing and maybe even lie to her. <laughs> the French joke. You have to say it immediately. Do I look fat in this? No. <laughs> you can't pause between in this and the word no. It has to be, do I look fat in this? No. <laughs> do not think about it. Just say it. Maybe that might be applying a level of depth to the screenplay that I'm pessimistic about their existing, but it's possible. You haven't seen The Invitation yet, have no. you? That's on Netflix too. Recommend it. Horror movie. Yeah. Nothing like this. Absolutely nothing like this. But Kusama directed it. She also did Aeon Flux, which is, I think, Charlize Theron, but not a very good action film, but still, girl power kind of Bad movie. Bad movie, though. <laughs> Jennifer's Body, very much a woman movie. I don't think there's a lot of guys in that movie, period. It's the two young stars, Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox as well, right? right. And The Destroyer with Nicole Kidman a couple years ago, where people talked about Kidman for an Oscar nomination, maybe. So Kusama's role, for the most part, has been, not so much in The Invitation, that's a mixed cast of men and women, but for the most part have been female empowerment movies, which I think is great. Maybe that's sort of the point here, too, is the female empowerment. And if it has to be that the boyfriend is shunted aside, then oh well. Maybe there's an element of Kusama and Rodriguez as well, although she was a kid, so it wasn't really her idea. I guess yeah. it's Kusama's screenplay that said, we have to get ours at some point. And men have been shunting off other people, non-white people and certainly women forever. So maybe we have to shunt off our boyfriends. Although I said white people, there's very few white people in this movie. I think you mentioned that already. Yeah, a lot of Hispanic characters. And some, black characters. Some black yeah. characters, yeah. You may well be right. I don't want to try to put myself in Kusama's head and what she was thinking in directing this movie. I hate that message in general, whether it's gender relations or race relations or whatever the case may be. The notion of X group got theirs for a period of time, so the only way I can get mine is by cutting them down. No, I agree. I don't like that either. It just engenders more disharmony, right? Whoever it is, if somebody is actively cut down for the benefit of somebody else, it's not going to be a lasting piece or relationship. So the notion... An eye for an eye leaves everybody blind, as I think it was MLK that said that's that. That's a more eloquent way of putting it, yeah. And maybe that is the message. I hope it isn't because I don't like it. Maybe you're right there. Speaking of gender equality, did you notice that the gender-blind bouts that Diana is in... All the male characters are wearing crotch padding, but she isn't. Listen, I get that the equipment is different, but I promise you, if you punched a woman in the crotch, it would not feel good. That's going to hurt. <laughs> Give her the same respect. I don't really watch boxing. Have you ever seen women box? And if you have, yeah. do they wear? The guys don't wear padding you can see. I guess it's underneath their shorts. 
Or do they even wear something underneath their shorts? They don't. Are they just trusting a pro not to do that? Yeah, I think that's it. The pros know well enough not to hit below the belt. That's why you have people that wear their boxing shorts up essentially around their nipples, right? Because you don't want to be punched below the belt. Oh, right. Literally below the belt. <laughs> okay, right. This is also an amateur boxing movie where they wear head protection and groin protection that I have seen in amateur sports before, but I've never seen in the pros because they don't wear padding. I think in female boxing, pro boxing now... They do wear head protection, if I'm not mistaken. This is an interesting movie from that perspective, though, right? Because it's pre-explosion of women's contact sport, which has become very popular. Pro boxing was first. What was Million Dollar Baby, 2004? Yes. So it was about that time that there was a real uptick in the interest in the sport. And maybe because of Million Dollar Baby, I'm not sure. But in this movie just a few years prior, it's almost talked about dismissively that women can't fight. It's a silly notion. But within four to five years, I would argue that it becomes a very popular thing. And then subsequent to that, not too long after that, we've seen an explosion of interest and popularity in women's mixed martial arts. Ronda Rousey and Nunez and Holly Holm, is that her name? Holly Holm is, well, I mean, I don't Ronda follow. Rousey for a while there when she was still undefeated was the headlining draw for MMA. She wasn't on the card. She was the card or the top of the card. And then she got into WWE and was the top of the card for them. It's very interesting to me to see how in 2020, if I were to turn on the television, you see a recap of a women's boxing match or women's MMA fight, wouldn't blink an eye. It's expected. That's part of the sport. But in 2000, it was apparently such an outlandish concept that Diana's character couldn't even get a locker because they didn't have women's locker facilities. And admittedly, a very grungy old gym in Red Hook, Brooklyn. But it was kind of neat to take that little time travel back to 20 years ago. I'm sure that was intentional partly by Kusama in saying they have no respect for the idea of it. Not just Diana, but the idea of doing this. So she's going to be good enough to prove they should have. That's probably just a narrative device as much as anything. Maybe that wasn't so shat upon in 2000 as it would have certainly been at some point yeah or maybe by 2000 it wasn't so shat upon but she's using that as a narrative device in her storyline yeah perhaps i did really enjoy the trainer character that trains diana yeah jamie torelli the trainer plays hector he's quite good in the film he was in carlito's way a few years before this really good movie with pacino no and another movie he was in yeah he's in that movie i don't know what role he plays but he's in carlito's way i looked it up and he's also in sugar now have you heard of sugar yes I own that movie. We should look at that at some point. That's a damn good baseball movie. I don't know what he plays in that either, but he's in that. I thought he was quite good in this film, too, in this role as the mentor. I love that scene where he talks with Diana at one point about the real strong will. That scene, I thought that was quite good. Yeah, the reason I'm taken aback by him being in Carlito's way is because my first note, his early scenes in this movie, were did they cast cut-rate Pacino for this role? Because he looks so much like Al Pacino. Oh, what are you saying there? He doesn't sound like him. I'll give him that. But he looks a lot like him. He hasn't been smoking for 30 years. It's right. <laughs> I did really enjoy his performance. I enjoyed all the trainers, like grumpy old men that are just sort of lingering around a gym, passing their time by abusing these young athletes, essentially. Eastwood-esque in Million Dollar Baby, same kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. Girly, tough, ain't enough. <laughs> the chunky white guy with his pants up to his elbows and the top of the pants sticking out from under the belt, swinging his stick at the young kid's legs as he's jumping rope, break up his rhythm. Who knows everything about boxing but can't do it himself. Essentially, yeah. And the first scene where Diana is trying to get Hector to train her... Well, not the first scene. The first scene is when she says, I want to train here, and they'll disparage it. And that one guy's line, what about aerobics or something like that? And she tells him to shut the hell up, I'm not talking to you. Mm -hmm. She goes and gets the money that Hector 
says that he's going to need to train her because he ain't no charity case. And she comes back while Hector is training her brother and stands uncomfortably close to him, just sidles right up next to Hector and says, I got the money. I love that scene because he goes from, I ain't doing it, to two seconds later, all right, you convinced me. You seem like a nice kid. (laughs) She hasn't said anything to convince you, but now you're convinced. Because she's a nice kid, his only interactions with her were the first time she came in to pay him the money from her father for her brother's training, and she punches one of his fighters. The second time Hector meets her, she comes in to ask to be trained and basically tells one of his friends to shut the fuck up and go play dominoes. And then the third time is she's interrupting the training session with her brother, and he's like, hey, you seem like a good kid. Sure, I'll train you. I'm like, she seems like a jerk and an ass. What do you mean you seem like a good kid? <laughs> but she's got money, and that's what counts, I guess. The whole exchange of that scene had me laughing. There are moments that are a little bit comedic, and their relationship might be the most comedic thing of all, right? Because he becomes a little bit of the father figure that she never had. And, of course, later on, after she beats the hell out of her own father, it's implied that she moves in with him, right? You see Hector's wife making up the bed on the couch for Diana and all that. So his character actually grew on me a lot more than I expected him to. I thought he was quite good in the movie. Yeah, the coaching scenes I thought were really well done. Yeah, not as landmark and revolutionary as what we saw in Rocky or even Raging Bull, but pretty damn good in a low-budget film for sure. He does a great job with her, and she's an inexperienced actor. He'd been around a while, so he probably literally was mentoring her mm-hmm. as an actor as well. A new director, new star. There's probably this element of, well, I'll try to shepherd this kid through this role where I'm playing a guy who's shepherding this boxer through this role. Yeah. Not role, but you know what I'm saying. Through being a fighter. Well, her brother's not qualified. And of course, it's the old untalented brother gets to do the thing his sister is good at cliche. And in the end, the brother does the right thing by giving her the money that the father's giving him to be a fighter because he doesn't even want to be a fighter in the first place. He wants to be an artist. Yeah. So I'll give you the money because I'm not going to do this anyway. And you do want to do this. Dad doesn't even know, but you're getting it after earlier Diana had stolen from her father. And that character really doesn't have a whole heck of a lot to do. The tiny character. He's basically just there to be the source of money for Diana. Ultimately. I thought it was fine though. I thought that Ray Santiago also in his debut playing tiny. That was okay. If you're watching Ash versus the evil dead, he's been in that or was in that. I don't know if that show is still going on, but he was in that apparently. Yeah. He hasn't done a whole lot of other things I marked down here, but he was in that one show. Their relationship is fine. They're not overly friendly as brother and sister, and they're certainly not that antagonistic either. And then the end, he supports her by giving her money. He's at the fight. He wants to see her do well. The actor was fine. It's no fault of his. It felt like the character wasn't given a whole heck of a lot to do. But it's not his movie. But that final fight, Tiny is sitting there, ringside, waiting for his sister's fight to start, and somebody sits down next to him. That's for somebody, and then ultimately says, never mind, he's not coming. That's the moment where you kind of expect... Because this is post-Diana beating up the father, right? Yeah. So you kind of expect the father to say, okay, I was wrong. And also, after the father had seen Diana fight that first fight that she wins by disqualification against Ray, right? Like, he shows up and walks out as soon as he sees his daughter in the ring. Then she beats him up. Then there's this final fight where the seat's reserved for him. That's kind of where you think he's now seen the error of his ways. He's had sense literally beaten into him. He's going to surprise both his daughter and his son by growing a little bit and then showing up for the fight after the son outers the line. He's not coming. And that didn't happen. I think great. We've seen that in so many movies and TV shows where the parent finally gets it. I didn't realize Junior was good at blank. And now I get it. This father wasn't supportive before. He wasn't that abusive that we see in the movie, but he wasn't a very good dad, obviously, in the first place. And he's not showing up. Doesn't mean never will. Maybe he'll come around at some point, but in that moment, he didn't. I definitely 
absolutely appreciated that he didn't show up for that fight. And I'm glad that it's implied that he should be there about Tiny saying, oh, that's seat's reserved. But he didn't say specifically for who. Yeah. And then in the end, oh, never mind. You can sit there. I think that was one of the better moments in the whole movie. Really? It felt very strange to me. I was glad there wasn't a resolution to that arc because yeah. her beating him up, you may not have liked it, but I thought it was fine. I wasn't cheering like I think a lot of women would have been. And I'll give them that. That's fine. They finally get their moment where they get revenge on that shitty abusive guy which you hadn't seen in a ton of movies 20 years ago you see it more now probably and in the end that's life people don't resolve their differences necessarily and certainly not that fast and maybe never i would have preferred it if it was just a shot of tiny in the stands by himself leave the seat empty maybe no seat at all just him though because i think having that one family member and not the other visible that shot of diana looking into the spectators and seeing her brother Mm -hmm. and that's it my dad's still a jerk that's enough. I think uttering the line was a hat on a hat kind of moment. Well, we talked about this on Creed too. that one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is towards the end when Rocky gives the fist bump to Creed Jr., to Adonis, and says something like, it's your turn, uh, Donnie. And he sits down in two chairs at ringside, and no one else sits beside him. Mm-hmm. And I think I pointed this out in the podcast to you, that I think the implication is that it's supposed to be Apollo's ghost. If Apollo was still alive, it'd be Rocky and Apollo watching this young prodigy go on. Our son, Apollo, he's going to do, you know, not literally his our son, but your son and my protege might as well be my son. And the fact that that's never said and I made that leap, I could be wrong. This maybe not was intended at all by the filmmakers, but I love that it was implied. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to literally have a line and a hat on a hat, okay, fine, that's true. I'll give you that. But I still like the way they did it by the fact that he didn't show up because we've seen that way too fucking often. I fully agree with that sentiment. I just would prefer you either take the subtle route Or if you're intending to go the other route where the father does come to his senses, then you say it and then you get the emotional low and high of, oh, the dad's not coming. Oh, the dad's here. I prefer that he didn't show up because I agree with you. It would be unrealistic probably for him to do so, but then just be a little bit more subtle about it. So not surprisingly for a low budget film, it was a 30 day shoot only. That's all they had. And they got a hell of a lot of footage in that amount of time. The movie's nearly two hours long. 300 other young women auditioned and Rodriguez got the role obviously trained for months to do it mm-hmm. now we didn't really want to do a Michelle Rodriguez movie we've now done two of them in one year because neither of us are huge fans of hers you didn't love her on Lost we talked about that already she's been in the Fast movies I don't know maybe four or five of those if you didn't already say let's give complete thumbs up thumbs down to her performance because this movie is her if it works for you it's got to be because of her performance and you're not a fan I'm mediocre on her too but what do you think thumbs up thumbs down her performance in Girl Fight on balance i'd have to give it a thumbs up right because if there's ever a role that suits the angsty angry sometimes pouty vibe that michelle rodriguez just brings to most roles it is this one i mean this is all about an 18 year old girl who's got a lot of well-founded anger about her life and is trying to find an outlet for it and like you said michelle rodriguez took the time to train before this movie shot. And the one thing we haven't really discussed really is the portrayal of the sport. She's pretty convincing in it, right? She's at moments very convincing about being capable in the ring, but I liked the early fight scenes that her character had because, and I assume this is intentional, there are moments before Diana is supposed to be a capable fighter that you see her just throwing wildly uncoordinated punches and she's slow and sloppy Footwork is bad. I said in the intro, footwork is bad. Footwork is bad. And you can really see a great progression from the first time we see her in the ring with another sparring partner to that final fight. 
Michelle Rodriguez does a great job of portraying that progression of ability. So I like that a lot. I like the train. I've already said this. I like the training scenes a lot because they made a lot more sense in this movie than many boxing movies. It wasn't just we see them going through a bunch of weird training rituals that these old dudes have devised over their 80 years in the sport. Chase the chicken, Iraq. If you can catch a chicken, you can catch Creed. A greasy, fast, the Italian tank. <laughs> as much fun as that is, there wasn't any of that. This is why I say I love the trainer character, because he says, they're going to put you in uncomfortable spots. you got to be able to get out, make your footwork smaller, make it fast so you can squeeze out of spots, or don't lunge with your head because then I can pop you this way, or you're going to be off balance. You can understand what he's trying to teach Diana's character in this. So, yeah, this boxing movie knows boxing. It's true. Yeah, I liked a lot. Not all of them do. Yeah, not all of them do. So kudos to them on that point for sure. Yeah, the portrayal of sport was top notch, I would say. It is reminiscent of Million Dollar Baby, although this came before that. So maybe Million Dollar Baby is reminiscent of this. Yep. And the young actors are fairly convincing considering they're inexperienced boxers too. Maybe some of the people portraying this were boxers first and actors second, but I don't think Santiago Douglas, who plays Adrian, was a boxer first. I think he's an actor. Rodriguez obviously was an actor who had to learn how to box. You're also not having them be pros, so they don't have to be as good anyway. But I feel like Rodriguez at this point could whip the shit out of me, but then most people probably could. So <laughs> She could whip the shit out of me as well. It's not something I don't think that I'm aware of that we see in sport today is gender-blind participation certainly not in like organized team sport we've seen the odd female athlete have almost like a cameo performance in the game whether it's hockey baseball or otherwise but we don't have any full-time participants we're still barely getting trainers or coaches in any sports i think there's a lady coach in san francisco with the 49ers maybe something like that and you're seeing some trainers more so you're seeing wrestlers the blue jays have a female trainer I think she left to go to the Mets because of Marcus Stroman. But yeah, you're seeing more participation. You're right. Okay. And you see referees in wrestling as well. No, it's not sports the same way. Right. But I saw one recently and I didn't know they ever did that, even for the women's matches. But it was a woman doing guys' matches. So it's finally changing that way, but it's still very slow. I think you feel the same way I do. If some woman proves she can handle it against major league pitching, major league batting, yeah. or football players, hockey players boxers basketball players inline skaters what the hell the thing is inline skaters <laughs> yeah whatever it is give me the best team you got and if that is five women and eight guys or if it's one woman and 400 guys or if it's 40 women and one guy whatever it is i want the best team out there and hopefully most people are starting to feel that way way too many guys still don't feel that way and some women but i think that's finally turning over where guys have the opinion of well she can be good too maybe she can be better than me it's an attitude i've never understood to be honest with you I think that was the first fight scene in this movie, right? When Diana is announced and she goes to the ring, there's booing. Like you said, as a sports fan, I want to see the best portrayal of the sport on the field or the pitch or whatever the case may be. I don't care who the heck is actually playing. I want to see it played to the highest level, man, woman, or otherwise. I feel for women trying to break into men's sport. I think they're at an inherent disadvantage just based on physiology alone. Men just inherently are going to build more muscle mass more easily than a woman would. But if you're able to push past that and become good enough to compete, by all means, please, I want to see you there. Yeah. Boxing and mixed martial arts, UFC, would be more predisposed to having those kinds of gender-blind fights as portrayed in this movie than team sport, only because they have things like weight class. So if you have two people that, as they do in this movie, Diana and her opponents both weigh between, I think, 119 and 125 pounds, right? They're welterweights or they're featherweights? 
They're one of those. They're way down there in that weight class, yeah. But yeah, the point stands. Regardless of gender, if you are of the same ability and in the same weight class, why shouldn't you fight each other? Granted, I'm not a huge boxing or MMA fan, but I can't think of a situation where I've seen that happen beyond maybe Ronda Rousey fighting some male opponents for the publicity of it. It surprised me because this was a concept that came up in a movie 20 years ago. The popularity of female participants in that sport has certainly exploded since then. So the fact that we haven't seen more high-profile men fighting high-profile women in the same weight class, a little bit shocking to me, to be honest with you. That was one of the stunning moments in this movie, too, is the first time that Diana stepped into the ring with, I think you said Ray, right? Her first opponent that ultimately gets disqualified for all the cheap shots he lands on her. Yeah. It's the same guy that she punches in her first trip to the gym because I think he said something disrespectful. But I'm looking at the two of them, and they're both announced at, I think, 125 pounds, both of them. Frankly, Michelle Rodriguez looked a hell of a lot more intimidating at 125 yes. pounds hell yeah. than this other kid did. This young guy looked just like a scrawny dude. I would be terrified to stand in the ring across from 125 pounds of angry Michelle Rodriguez. But by all means, put me in a ring with this 125-pound guy. I say that as a guy who's like 6'4", 220 myself. But Michelle Rodriguez, or for that matter, those, God knows, those MMA fighters like Holly Holm, she might be 125 pounds dripping wet, right? Because she's got all of probably 2% body fat on her. But I'm also pretty sure that if you put her in a ring with me, I would, within 30 seconds, be turned into a pretzel Looney Tune style and just rolled out of that ring. You wuss. You're such a wuss. You know how long I'd last? 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me try that again. Three. <laughs> Maybe our Rodriguez bias can go away because we both were at least relatively convinced that she can be great in a movie. And I think, well, great's a little strong, but definitely convincing in this film. Yeah. And I'm also convinced that I would be terrified of her if she heard us or heard me specifically criticizing her in any way. She's an avid fan of this podcast, I assume. There'd be a lot of snarling for sure. So Karen Kusama... I did not know this until looking this up recently. She's been around for a while. I made a ton of movies, but I mentioned some of them already. Jennifer's Body, The Invitation. Highly recommend that. And Destroyer. But her middle initial, take a guess what it is. Don't be K. It's a K. Her initials are KKK. But at least she's not white. She is Hispanic, I believe. Nonetheless, that is a little bit short-sighted on her parents' part, you gotta believe. Ah, that ain't good, as Krusty (laughs) once said. (laughs) At least name her Karin with a C, so they just, like, do away with that. Now, we talked about the girl power aspect of this movie. There were four women producers, in addition to John Sales being an executive producer. The editor, I've never heard this person before, but she's worked on all of Kusama's movies and other things, too. Plummy Tucker, and that is a woman as well. <laughs> Great name. So very much behind the scenes. Yeah, Plummy Tucker. So behind the scenes, it was very much a girl power thing, so more power to them. The movie doesn't look all that great. It was shot in 60 millimeter, and then they blew it up. But that often happens with low-budget films, especially back then. Bev and I just talked about this when we did Traffic. It didn't look good at all. We did Traffic only three days before this podcast. Oh, really? And that was deliberately an experimental thing by Soderbergh. And this film made the same year, ironically enough. Only a few months before did it come out. Looks better than that, but doesn't look great because they've got to blow it up. And you see grain immediately. You watched on Netflix as well, right? So I did, the same yeah. thing I did. Traffic I haven't seen in so long that I don't want to comment on that. But at least the graininess in this movie suits the atmosphere. We talked about how the environment plays a role in this movie. And it looked grungy, partly because, I guess, the stock of film it was filmed on. But it worked. With us talking about movies from 2000 so much lately and Bev and I doing the same, we are seeing the evolution 20 years ago of this digital or shitty looking film stock or shitty looking style that Soderbergh brought into play and did improve upon. Soderbergh certainly did. It was one of those sea changes. Blair Witch Project the year before this looked like dog shit, but a huge hit. 
So that's one of the reasons why this era in movies is so fascinating because so many movies were made by people like Kusama who would never have gotten to make a movie before this. You and I have not covered very many women directors. We covered no. at least one other. I can't think of who it is right now, but not many. There are not a lot of women who did sports movies ever. Did we have another one? I think we had at least one more. I can't think of who it is right now. I'll have to look it up later. Hmm. But she probably doesn't get this opportunity unless she gets to shoot on 16mm with as small a budget as possible and then get a bunch of no-names. I think thumbs up. I said seven. Maybe even on a good day, I'd give it an eight if I was feeling generous, but seven's still respectable. I think it's a well-portrayed movie. Like we said before, the score factor. They're a good-looking couple, but then this movie's more <laughs> chaste than anything else, so it's it not is. really boner-inducing. <laughs> <Were there? laughs> it's not like I remember the Titans where there's no sexuality whatsoever, but I wouldn't call this a movie where you can score. You're not constantly titillated by the sweaty 18-year-olds in this one, Ryan? Very little, in fact. Although Michelle Rodriguez, for all of her faults and Lost, I thought she was okay in Lost. She looked great. She's an attractive young woman. I would probably lean more towards like a six and a half on this one. And you expected to hate it. I did expect to hate it. I liked it a lot more than I expected to. Most of my nitpicking of the movie has to do with my thoughts on the approach to the screenplay or the director's choices in it. So not necessarily any fault of the actors. And like I said, I thought it was shot very well for the tone of the movie. I liked the sport. I liked a lot about it. They may have had to compromise as well because they had such a small budget. Maybe it she had be. other ideas she couldn't put on film. Now, the one thing we haven't talked about, and within the context of a fight movie, you have to, Ryan, is the montage. You got to have a montage. Every movie needs a montage. The primary montage in this movie, I like the way they did it because, of course, our main character is an 18-year-old girl still in high school. When she's training in school... And lapping the field. Was it annual fitness test, doing the pull-ups and all that kind yeah, of stuff? push-ups, pull-ups, running. She's just destroying her classmates, yeah. She's getting strong now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they could have just had a standard training montage. Here's what she would have been three months ago, but here's the superman she is now, or superwoman in this case, that she is now because of her boxing training. Okay. Well, I think Girl 5 was a pretty solid movie. I'm glad it was free on Netflix so we can still watch it without having to watch things together. I've got so many things in the PVR right to my right right there. And maybe soon enough we'll be able to watch them, but still not yet because the quarantine... Well, quarantine's a little strong, but the staying away from each other continues. But we can see something else on Netflix in two weeks. And you and I haven't officially confirmed this, but I'm going to confirm it right now because you haven't said no. <laughs> I think we should do in two weeks Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton beating the shit out of each other in Warrior. Also starring Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte's in it? I didn't even know that. Even more sold now. So Warrior will be in two weeks as we're well into June. But maybe finally the movie after that we can watch together. We'll emerge into the sunlight like two <laughs> newborn baby chicks just trying to leave the nest for the Stumble first time. Stumble your way to my house to watch a movie with me. So how was your beer? It was very good. Very grapefruity, very sessiony. I enjoyed it. I'm on board with the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. All right. My Canadian club and diet is fully gone and I did enjoy it. Okay, well, we're going to do Warrior in two weeks, but in the meantime, you got to find us on Twitter. I am at MovieFiend51. Fiend51. He is at Scoring at Movies. <laughs> really emphasize the fiend. Hit that D. I'm a fiend. Bev and I both don't hit the D hard enough. It probably sounds like Movie Fiend. What does that mean? <laughs> well, it's Movie Friend without the R. Movie Fiend. I invented that years ago. We're on Stitcher for this podcast under Top and Under Project and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let's bounce. Whoa. They say let's bounce. She says it to Adrian. It could be. Hang on, I'll try this again. Let's bounce, dude. You take your easy bouncers. <laughs> you take your easy girl fighters. Know that you won't. There's no taking her easy here. <laughs> this is very experimental. <laughs> I've lost Sometimes they don't end clean, but they are going to end, and they've ended now.